come and speak to us. Can I borrow the mic, please, Ray? Thank you. Good morning, brothers. Wow, end of the year. 2019 is coming to an end. Uh, we're about to kick off into a new one, eh? Now, what I always find interesting as you read through the Scriptures, as you look at the way God works with and in and through people, how God takes people into new situations and new circumstances continually. Uh, you look at Abraham in Genesis 12, how God speaks to him and, and says, you know, up, move to a place that I will show you. So Abraham gets up and moves. Joshua, when he was going to go into the promised land, that was something completely new. Moses, in his situation, to go from the royal kingdoms to the backside of the desert, back to the kingdom, to be used by God as a servant, there was something new for him. There was something new, which then he moved to the promised land with uh, the nation of Israel. You look at the way the prophets conducted themselves. You look at what happened with Esther and Esther and Mordecai and the situation, the circumstance that they experienced. There was something new that they encountered. You look at Nehemiah who went back to build a wall and Ezra who went back to build a temple continually over and over and over again. There is a newness that confronts the people of God where the only way they are able to address and complete or fulfill the task that God had entrusted them in that newness is by following God's ways. It's by being obedient to His call, by submitting to His will and submitting to His word and stepping out by faith upon His promises. Move into the New Testament, you see the exact same thing take place. You have a newness that takes about that confronts Mary while she's at home as a youngster and the archangel appears to her and tells her what's going on. That was something new that can only be addressed by trusting God. You look at Elizabeth and Zechariah, exactly the same situation with the birth of John the Baptist. You look at even the disciples, where they were taken from. You look at John the Baptist. You look at all of those things and you see something new take place over and over again. Once again, they are only able to fulfill those particular circumstances as they submit to and are obedient to God's call and God's word in each of their lives. The reason why I start off with this is because before I get into the sermon today, I wanted to actually invite a sister who was confronted with a newness herself. Um, this newness I'm not going to explain, but this is somebody we all know and somebody we all really appreciate. And, and for me, I'm quite sad to see her go, but I do know that the newness that confronts her even now would be, I guess, best beneficial to her and best glorifying to God as she seeks to be obedient to and submissive to God's Word and God's call in her life. So uh, if you just make her feel welcome, Kai, could you please come forward, my sister, please? Hello, Kayi. I think the last time you were up here with me, I was making fun of your height. Probably. Yeah. You're going to okay, do it so again? <laughs> <laughs> I, won't, I won't do that again. I'll stand further away so I don't look so bad. Okay, okay so um, Kayi, this, this, this is your last Sunday with us, if I understand correctly, correct? Oh, 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 oh. Why, why, Kayi? What's going on, Kayi, please? Uh, so I finished my... Um main studying part of uni and I'm heading into um, the placement year of uni so I'll be traveling around Australia basically um, working in clinics and doing placement and learning more about my career yeah and your career which is oh um, I do vet science yeah so I'm going to look after animals 
So our, our veterinarian sister here is going to be leaving us. And that's actually quite, quite a sad thing because you are very active and very involved and we do really appreciate you. And I, I wanted to, firstly, I didn't ask you this, but I'm going to tell you this now. Um, if you could, if you could <laughs> consider, if you would consider, well, consider is a polite way of saying, you're going to do this. So yeah. our, our church <laughs> devotional wall, our church devotional wall, I reckon once a month, Kayi should send us a message on the devotional wall just so we know how you're going and how we can best pray for you. Do you think you could do that? I could do that, yes. Yeah, yes, you're going sure. to do that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> cool, 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 cool. I'll put it in my calendar. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So what I want to do is actually just, I want to just pray for her because this is something new for her. I mean, she's traveling around, putting her fingers up animals' bottoms and all that sort of stuff. Sorry, I had to do that one. No, no, it's good. There was, there was one, <laughs> it's true, she, put, she put her arm up a cow's bottom, if I recall. Yes. I have photos. <laughs> yeah, photos. Oh, you yeah. never sent me the photos. So like, <laughs> I, I asked you for photos too. Okay, but um, we wanted to just pray for you as you go off and pray that you'll be able to find and continue to be spiritually fed on your journey, um, that in the various places you go to, please contact us because we may know churches and stuff and people mm-hmm. around Australia that, you know, say, hey, look, man, can you go look yeah. after this person yeah. here in this particular area? Because we want to best support you as best we can as well. Okay? Yeah. So I just, um, does her, anyone want to come and pray for her as well, no, besides just me? Just Can it be just yeah, come you, on, Chris. <laughs> come on, Chris. Just, just me. Okay, good. Chris, Chris and myself will pray for you. And then uh, just want to say thank you very much for everything that you've done and continue to do here as a part of Grace Christian. Just want to stretch out your hands as we pray for our sister now. Thanks, Chris. Heavenly Father, we just praise you and thank you because you are a amazing and, as we sung, a good, good God. Mm. Um, Lord, we thank you for our sister Kai and for blessing her so much with everything that she has and with the talents and skills that she has in vet science. Um, Lord, even though we're so sad to see her go, Lord, would you make a way for her? Would you make the path clear for her as she is about to embark on this new journey around Australia? Um, Lord, would you give her amazing opportunities, not just to be able to um, use her skills in the um, animal world, but also be able to... Um, reach out to those who she comes into contact with. Um, Lord, we, we ask that you would make a way for her and give her opportunities even now and prepare the hearts of the people that she will meet um, so that she can share the love of Jesus to those around her. Help her to be an amazing beacon of light um, no matter where she goes. Um, Lord, would you be with her and protect her um, as she travels. Um, and Lord, we do ask that as she travels that you would help her to find um, good homes in, in all those different places and that you would put good people around her, um, good godly people, ones who were able to support her. Um, and Lord, would you help us as a church family to be able to support her and continue to support her even as she um, travels abroad um, across the country. Um, so Lord, we, we just ask that you would bless her and um, yeah, we, we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you so much for our sister Kayi. Pray Lord that you will encourage her. Pray Lord that you will strengthen her. Pray Lord that you will help her to see more of your hand at work within her life irrespective of the context she may find herself in. May she find her comfort, her strength and her encouragement in you and in you alone. Father, I pray she will continue to fulfill her call, that even though the context may change, her call remains the same, to shine as a light, to proclaim your gospel, and to show your love to all that she encounters. So I pray for her now, bless her, use her for your kingdom, and that she might continually faithfully follow you in every situation she encounters. So we commit it to your hands now, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, Amen. amen. Thank you very much for that, sister. Give her one big one round of applause again. We'd greatly appreciate it. Something new. Something new. If you've got your Bibles, please turn to Luke 24. Because this is a really interesting situation. You have something new 
take place in the crucifixion of Christ, that was something completely new. And what he achieved on the cross by destroying the hold of Satan, by taking upon himself your sin and my sin, by taking it to the grave, that in the shedding of his blood, we find the forgiveness of sin. And that through faith and trust in him, we can be made new. That was completely new. That was completely different. Then there's the resurrection of Christ. The resurrection, which we read about in Luke 24, once again, that is something completely new. You have this encounter where the resurrected Jesus, I'll help if I turn it on. In Luke 24, verses 1 to 5, you have the resurrected Jesus who is proclaimed at the tomb. And you have the ladies who are witness to that empty tomb, and, and they're heard, they're given this charge by those that were there, why do you look for the living among the dead? And they were told of his physical resurrection. Uh, imagine the uncertainty and the doubt that was going through these ladies' minds, as well as the excitement and, and the hope of this may actually be taking place. This was something completely new, something completely foreign for them. Then you read further on in Luke 24, verses 13 through to 35, the encounter of Jesus with the two men on the road to, the, uh, road to Emmaus. These two guys are downtrodden. They, they are sad. They are discussing the events of what took place. You know, we thought this man would be the Messiah. Uh, they, were, they were interacting with things, and Jesus himself started interacting with them. These guys who were full of doubt, full of sadness, talking about the Lord Jesus, his death, and his burial. So consumed by the recent events, they were kept from recognizing him. That's found in verse 16. That is until, one, Jesus started to talk. When Jesus started to talk, then recognition came. Jesus took bread. Jesus broke bread. Jesus prayed. Sorry, Jesus prayed. Jesus broke bread, and then Jesus served them. It was at that instant that their eyes were opened, and then they reached this conclusion. They said, did, our not, did not our hearts burn within us when he expounded to us the Scriptures? And um, J.H. Jowett was the gentleman who made the comment. You, oh, no, it was G. Campbell Morgan. G. Campbell Morgan made the comment saying, you'll notice that it was once they stopped talking and Jesus started talking that their hearts burned within them. It was when Jesus started. So, so more often than not, we are trying to drum things up, trying to excite things within our own hearts, where more often than not, we should merely sit in the presence of God upon His Word and allow Him to speak to us. For it's then that a heart burns. And, and then in the third section there, in verses 24 through to 36, we read where Jesus in person fellowships with them, in verse 36, eases their minds in verse 38, does away with their doubts in verse 39, and confirms his promises, verse 44, and enlightens their minds, 35, and commissions them for the future, verses 48 to 49. So you have them in the upper room, and Jesus appears to them in the upper room. All of this, up to this point here, is completely new to them. All of this is completely new to them. Each of these sections are sermons in and of themselves. Here we go, something new, in and of themselves. But what it is what takes place in verses 50 through to 53 is what I want to focus on this morning. Now, when I say something new, I'm not talking about something new in regards to how God's doing something new, even though he does something new in the, in the book of Acts. 
I'm not talking about how God is, is doing something extra biblical, which he's not. What I'm talking about something new is that there is a context that the disciples are facing. Remember the something new? They, they saw their Lord crucified. They're scared. They hide in an upper room. They discuss things. That was something new. What are they going to do as they look at the uncertainty of the future? That was something new for them. Then when, they, when the ladies see the empty tomb, that was something new. Hang on, what's going on here? Uh, the two on the road to Emmaus, what's happening now? The disciples, when the resurrected Lord appears to them in that upper room, there was something new, meaning the context with which they face, the uncertainty of the future that faced them was only addressed or could, could only be addressed from the perspective of God's sovereign plan of understanding God's sovereign hand at work. We have now come to the end of another year. For some of you, that year may have been successful, may have been triumphant. For others of you, this past year may have been a discouragement, may have been full of hurt, may have been full of disappointment. We are approaching a new year where essentially we are confronted with something new once again. And for some reason, and we all do this, when we are confronted with a new year, we always sit there and say, here we go, it's time to start. Another chance to lose weight. Another chance to try again. Another chance to learn something new. We, we make these resolutions which we never really fulfill. But the something new that's confronting us now as we approach this new year, the something new, a new marriage. Something new. It was a great wedding, by the way. Thank you very much. Something new that's confronting with Kaya Yi. And something new in regards to maybe some of you becoming grandparents. Something new where some of you might become parents. Something new with a new career choice. What I want to share with you today are several things that Jesus does with the disciples that we can draw lessons from and apply and live by as we seek to follow our Lord into a new uncertain year. Because whilst the future is uncertain for us, we do know a God who holds the future in his hands. We do know a God that is in complete control and completely sovereign over every circumstance that we face. So if you go to Luke 24, verses 50 through to 53, we read this. When he, Jesus, had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple praising God. I want to open in prayer, and let's look at what God has to say to us today. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the many examples of how you work within people's lives, within its pages. And we thank you that you're the same God that we know and serve today. That you are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That you are the God that we know as our King, as our Lord, and as our friend. And so I pray this morning that you, by your Spirit, will open our eyes to see the wonderful things within your law. That you'll open our hearts to your Spirit, that he might influence and prompt us. And Father, that you might give us the boldness and courage to approach the coming uncertainty of 2020 with the confidence that you hold our future in your hands. 
So we ask for you, Lord, to help us now. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Okay. First thing Jesus does with these guys, Jesus led them. Jesus led them in that something new they were about to experience. The importance of who you are being led by is vital. In a world that is bombarding us with messages about what you're supposed to look like, how you're supposed to act, who you're supposed to be, who, whom you're supposed to emulate, what is considered successful, attractive, or acceptable, um, how you're supposed to parent, how, how you're supposed to respond to authority. We are bombarded continually through the media, through books, whatever it might be, on how we are supposed to be. Therefore, who is the one that leads you? There's a wonderful old hymn that I learned as a very new Christian. He leadeth me, O blessed thought, O words of heavenly comfort fraught. Whatever I do, wherever I be, by his hand he leadeth me. It's, I thought that was really, it's really cool. It's a really great old hymn. Um, but yeah, who leads you? Being sensitive and responsive to the one who leads you plays a part on how you view yourself, how you view your worth, and how you view the worth of others. See, okay, how can I put this being politely? Um, I, 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 I'm concerned about how my wife sees me. Okay, I think, I think that's okay to be there, to, to say, I love my wife dearly, and how my wife views me is very important. Now, Auntie Sue, I love Auntie Sue immensely. She's a great sister. But what Auntie Sue thinks of me isn't as important as what my wife thinks of me. Make sense? Why? Because I'm not married to Auntie Sue. Okay? And she hits me all the time anyway. I don't know why. Okay? But... But why? Why? Because, because, because I value how my wife sees me. How other people see me, not so much. Then why don't, or why doesn't it matter about how my God sees me? See, I'm, I'm supposed to find my worth, my value, and how much God loves me. About what God was willing to do for me by becoming a man and dying on a cross for me. By conquering death and, and leaving the tomb empty for me. The value and the worth for me should be determined by how Jesus Christ sees me and what he was willing to do for me. That should matter more. So irrespective of what the world says, what my boss thinks, what my friends profess they know, that's irrelevant compared to what the scriptures hold about how God views me and what God says about me. The problem is a lot of us as Christians don't really know this and don't understand this. And, and so to follow him and, and his righteous values and his righteous standard, that should stand far above all else. That is where my identity is to be found. That's why I always encourage you to read through Ephesians chapter 1 because you find who you are in Christ. To be led by the one who gives us purpose. Jesus says in Matthew 4.19, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He says, follow me and I will make. Follow. You follow faithfully and he makes. To be led by the one who declares the Father. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father. He has made him known. To, to follow one who declares the Father to me. 
to be led by the one who reveals truth. John chapter 16, verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. So to follow him, or to be led by him, who is not only reveals the truth, but is the truth. Okay, we read this in John 14, 5 and 6a. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered and said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus desires to lead us. Like he's already led us out of darkness into his marvelous light. But as we walk in that light, he desires to lead us not only into truth, he desires to lead us to himself. That's how the uncertainty of the future is addressed. By looking to Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. To look unto Jesus, who is the Alpha and the Omega. To look unto Jesus, who is the beginning and the end. To look unto Jesus, who is the first and the last. To look unto Jesus, who holds my very being in his hand. That's what we are called. This is how the uncertainty of 2020 is addressed, by looking unto Jesus. And as, sun, as Sunday school basic as that sound sounds, it is the most logical and perfect explanation or remedy for the uncertainty of what the future holds for us. Because I know that there are some of you here who, who might have looked at this past year at the beginning of it and thought, okay, all right, it's going to be great, and it didn't work out the way you expected. And when it didn't work out the way you expected, you could, could do one of two things. You could have, you could have okay, um, I'm going to see what I can do, or you could go back to where the Lord has called you to at His feet and listen to what He has to say. That's, that's, where, that's basically what it is. Um, this is Him who leads us, and in His leading of us, especially as we approach the uncertainties of the future, this is the invitation of Jesus. And it's the same to us as well. It's the same for these guys as Jesus leads them. Jesus is preparing them for the uncertainty of their future. Now, we look back in hindsight and we see what takes place. The fact that all the disciples that are left are martyred. They're martyred. They're, they're, I think Paul was sawn in half. You have Peter who was crucified upside down. You have a whole bunch of people that died for their faith. That was an uncertainty. And yet, they remained faithful. Why? Because Jesus was the one leading them. That's where they found their comfort. That's where they found their strength. That is where they found their support. He is the truth wherein we find our security and he is the source of life within which we are to find our security here and to eternity. That's all it is. The reality of change is that Jesus is to lead us in that reality. Um, change is not a bad thing. I remember sharing this before. Change is not a bad thing. Okay? Um, I showed a photo to, where's Alyssa? Where's Alyssa? I showed a photo to Alyssa. And it was me on my wedding day. It was me on my wedding day. I showed a photo to, to Alyssa and to Cass. And, and the comments I heard were things like, um, wow, you look cool back then. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Alyssa. I appreciate, I appreciate that. 
I think, I think the best line was Alyssa was, she said, I can see why your wife said yes. <laughs> I thought that one was pretty good. I thought that one was pretty good. But here's the thing. Um, after 26 years of marriage, if I'm still the same man now than what I was back when I got married in 1993, that's not a good thing. If I had not matured, <laughs> matured in certain ways, then I don't think my marriage would have lasted to this point now. If I had not been willing to submit to the heart of God in so many ways as a husband, then my wife would have left me long, long ago. Why? Because change is part of growth. As you grow as a Christian, you should be changing. You should be becoming more holy. You should desire more things of God as opposed to the things that you used to be. That has to be. If, if you're not changing in those ways, then you've got to ask yourself, well, then am I really in a right relationship with God? If I'm not desiring the things of Him, if I'm not seeking to grow in these ways, what, what's going on? See, change is part of growth, and the way we grow is we're told that as we follow, that as He leads us, change happens. Because this is what, or how, the disciples were prepared for the uncertainty of their future by allowing Jesus to lead them. Not only did Jesus lead them, Jesus blessed them. Jesus blessed them. We are given an insight into what Jesus says to these guys at the end of Matthew's gospel, at the end of Mark's gospel, and at the beginning of Acts chapter 1. We are given, we're actually given an insight into what these blessings are when Jesus interacts with these guys, because it said at the end of Luke that he lifts his hands and he blesses them. He blesses them. So when you read what blessings in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, which you should all know, but I will read to you. I will not put it up there. The Great Commission. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the end of the very age. You want to know what blessings are given to these guys as they sit there and listen to the Lord who had just led them to the spot? He says, I will bless you with my authority. Verse 18. I will bless you with my commission. I will bless you with my teaching, and I will bless you with my presence. Think about that for a second. If you are given a task within your job or whatever situation that you are given, can you imagine this? You start in a big business. I, I know, I know Chris works in a big business, and the authority that Chris has to make calls within a business is huge. That she can sit there and, and she can give that authority to others. She can sit there and say to someone, one of her lackeys, one of her lackeys, I, I know she doesn't call them lackeys, but sorry, that, that was my word for it. But she can tell one of her lackeys, can you go and tell this person to do this, this, and this, and it has to be done by this time. They'll go down there and they'll say, Caress said, you need to do this, this, and this, and it needs to be done by this time. And you know what will happen? It'll get done. Why? Because that person went on the authority of someone greater than her. And if they're not going to listen to that, then Caress can go to her big boss and say, they didn't do it. Then that big boss will go, ha, chop them off, man. They're fired. That's Why? Because even Caress goes on the authority of somebody greater. So we are told here that God gives us in Jesus Christ his authority to go forth and not do what we want to do, but rather fulfill the commission he grants us. The commission to go 
and make disciples. He has given us that authority, that in the power of Spirit we can go and make disciples of all nations. We're told that we, it's, it's not even our teaching. It's not even our teaching He blesses us with. He's given us the teaching. He's given us the teaching. I've noticed, I've noticed in, in Borkham Hills High how when kids do essays, how they just write, write, write. Sherwin knows. Sherwin's a graduate of Borkham Hills High. They just write essays, and then they memorize those essays, and then they just regurgitate the essays when it comes time for essay time, right? I, no, no, I know, I know you didn't. You're a good student, Sherwin. I know, I know. I know. <laughs> see, but see, see what I mean, though? No, but imagine, I remember one student got pulled up for what? Plagiarizing. They plagiarized. They took another, they took another essay... And they memorize that and then utilize that. Essentially, that's what we've been given in the person of Jesus Christ. We don't need to come up with nothing. We've been given everything we need to say in these pages. We don't need to make stuff up. We just need to share with them the Word of God because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Romans 10, 17 says that. So, that, so we're given His teaching to be able to communicate to others. We don't need to be flash. We don't need to do flash. We don't need to sit there and have 101 answers to 101 questions. We just need to know the truth of God's Word and be able to communicate that. That's what He's blessed us with. We don't have to make anything up. I think that's awesome. So He's given us His Word, His teaching, and, what, and, and the greatest of these is His presence. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine? Once again, I'm going to use Carissa as an example. Can you imagine that Carissa has she's got, let's say Sherwin gets a job at Carissa's job, and Carissa stands over Sherwin's shoulder, not micromanaging, not micromanaging, but because Sherwin's a good student, um, but because she's sitting there and she's overseeing everything that he does. <laughs> not micromanaging, not micromanaging. She trusts him. And she trusts him, but she's just watching. And then if he does make a mistake, he goes, oh, look, you know, it'll work better this way. Let me help you out here. Let me do this. Can, can you imagine how Joshua felt when he heard from God after, when he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. You're now going to lead. And then God says to him these words, as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. Can you imagine the comfort Joshua would have felt right then? Because he would have felt inadequate. He would have felt comforted. Wow, I seen how you interacted and, and the way you utilized Moses and, and the way you blessed the people through Moses. Are you going to do that through me? This is, what, this is the blessing that's been bestowed upon the disciples. This is the blessing that's been bestowed upon us. And not only that, if you look at Mark chapter 16, verses 15 to 18, we'll read this. It says, he said to them, Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Verse 16. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on people who are ill, and they will get well. They are blessed with His power in signs and wonders. They are blessed with His power to, to be able to influence lives for the kingdom of God. They get, they're blessed with power that can take people from, the, from the, the, the kingdom of darkness and place them in the kingdom of light. They attend with people to pray for and pray for healing of others. That's the power that is bestowed upon those people. That's the blessing that they're imparted with at that particular time. And then you read in Acts chapter 1, verses 7 to 9, He said to them, 
It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Verse 8, which you sure will know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. What's the blessing they receive? His Spirit. His Spirit. His empowerment. But remember in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it's His Spirit and His empowerment to witness. It's not an empowerment just to walk around and say, I'm powerful. It's not an empowerment just to walk around and say, I'm strong. No, it's an empowerment to be a witness for the greatness of Jesus Christ. This is how Jesus blessed His people. This is what He does for the disciples in that one moment. This is what has been imparted to us as the people of God. That we as the people of God have been blessed, have been blessed to face something new. As we said, the blessing Jesus imparted to His disciples in the face of something new is to understand we live on His authority, responding to His commission, obedient to His teaching, comforted by His presence, enabled by His power, by His Spirit, being His witnesses. That is the blessing that we have been given in the person of Jesus Christ. The purpose, I mean, if we could understand this, if we could understand this, and if we could be obedient to it, if we could submit to this in each of our lives, I, I think the change in our marriages would be phenomenal. I reckon the change in our communities would, be, would, would just be massive. I think the impact we could have in the lives of those that we encounter at work, at home, down the road, our next door neighbors, the impact would be absolutely amazing. Why? Because none of this has anything to do with me. This is what I have the privilege of receiving in my relationship with Jesus Christ. To know and to understand and experience truths such as these should have the result of stirring courage within us, of, of emboldening us regardless of the uncertainties of our future because the last of his blessings bestows upon his disciples then is, uh, sorry, the last of his blessings that he gives to his disciples is that of his leaving. Now, let me clarify this. Let me clarify this. On the 17th of the 9th, 2018, our brother, Jonathan Hui, shared a sermon with us. I went through and now, for those of you who don't know, Jonathan was the gentleman leading the service this morning. Jonathan shared a wonderful word with us. And he actually had this tagline in that sermon. Having the Holy Spirit within me is better than having Jesus beside me. Do you remember that, Jono? No, you don't. Okay. It's a great sermon. If you go on our website and have a listen to it, it is actually a great sermon. It's not titled that. It's titled... Um, Jesus' final words is, is, the, is the actual name of the sermon itself. But it was an emphasis on the necessity of Jesus' leaving as opposed to him remaining on earth after he rose from the dead. If Jesus didn't leave, and this is, if you listen to the sermon, this is what you hear. If Jesus didn't leave, then the promise of Acts 1.8 could never be made, let alone fulfilled. Jesus told his disciples in John 16, 
4 to 12. I'm going to read this to you. I don't think I actually put it up there. In John 16, verses 4 to 12, we read this, and Jono reads this passage. He says, I did not tell you this from the beginning because, Jesus speaking, I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Read that again. It is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people do not believe in me. About righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you more than you can now bear. So basically, Jesus is telling his disciples, I have to leave. If I don't leave, then I can't send you my spirit. Jesus limited himself to be in one place at one time, in human form. He limited himself, but his spirit is able to touch people globally at the same, the omniscience, the omnipresence, of God is demonstrated when His Spirit is sent. Jesus, as a man, could only be at one place at one time. His leaving enabled Him to enable the church globally because He makes the church, meaning the people, His temple residence. For in this way, the church is capable of, as Jesus described it, I think I put it up there, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. We are able to do more in the sense of bring people to know who Jesus is. We are able to do more by going to the far reaches of the earth and reaching people that God has called us to reach. And I know I've shared this before, and I know I'll repeat myself again, but there are people in your circles of life, in your circles of influence, that I will never meet. I will never meet them. There are jobs. I mean, Sue Ann's a lawyer. I'm not going to go hang around with lawyers. Ever. Sorry, Sue Ann. I mean, I do hang out with you. That sounded wrong. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Forgive me, sister. But what I mean is the people that Sue Ann can touch and reach for the gospel, I can't get there because I'm not walking around in the great halls of justice. That's Sue Ann's job. All right? Jono Jono and all his techie people, ticky-tack on the keyboards, I'm not going to be meeting those people. Jono, Jono's the man that God has placed in that area to reach. Him and Jimmy and Kelso and all those other Christians that work at the same place. <laughs> that's, 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 that's Jono. Do you know what I mean? Carrie and the schools that she goes to when, she, when she's working at those schools, those are the people that God has placed in her life to be able to reach for the gospel. I can't do those things. I can't do those things. Whether it be Kenny and Julie at university, whether it be Uncle Kim, whether it be Uncle Mike or Auntie Judy, there are areas that God has placed you that I cannot reach. And God has placed you there for that purpose. This is why we're able to do more works than what Jesus was able to. That's why Jesus, he blessed us with his leaving because he could then bless us with, bless us with his spirit. Does that make sense? So in the face of life's uncertainties, as we look at this new year of 2020, the excitement that we have is that these same three things, that if we allow Jesus to lead us, 
understand how Jesus blesses us and, how, and, and realize how much Jesus has equipped us and empowered us, then it doesn't matter what the uncertain future holds, because if I have my eyes upon him, he is the one that will direct me to where I need to be. Because you look at the result. You look at the result of what happens. See, whilst this all takes place, after he blesses him, and then he leaves him, so he ascends, you look at what happens at the end of verse 52, sorry, 52 and verse 53. We read this. Did I put it up there? Yes. It says, Then they worshipped him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. They worshipped. They worshipped. What is worship about? Worship is about adoration. Worship is about acknowledgement. Worship is about submission to the sheer greatness and, and, and being awestruck, awestruck by, by who He is. Think about it. They have now seen their Lord rise from the dead. They've seen their Lord do amazing things. They, they, they listened and stood, sat under His teaching as the resurrected Lord. And then they witnessed Him going up into the heavens right before their eyes. What else could you do but worship? They just worshipped him. And, and straight away, straight away, they're not thinking about the persecution that they may encounter. They're not, they're not thinking about what could happen in the future. They're not worried about those things. Why? Because their eyes are focused on who he is in worship. That's why worship is so important. Worship is so important. Not just singing songs of praise, but, but worship. Every, everything we do can be an act of worship to, to recognize, acknowledge, and submit to what God is doing in your moment right then and right there. It doesn't matter what, it might be do, what, what you might be doing. And I think that is, that is so exciting. What else? Worship. They returned. And I like this. They returned. So they, they returned with great joy. They went back to their lives. Now remember... Before they saw the resurrected Jesus, they were hiding in upper rooms and closed doors. They were hiding. They're like, okay, let's, let's hang out here. We're not, we're not going to do much. We'll see what. They've seen the resurrected Jesus. The situation hasn't changed for them back in Jerusalem. That's still the same. They're still considered enemies of society, they're still considered outcasts. That hasn't changed. What changed? Their focus. They returned back to the same spot with great joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength, we are told. But they, they, they went back. Um, Gary, Gary, how can I say his name? Habermas? Habermas? It's what's called the minimal facts argument. The minimal facts argument for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, um, and it's basically Gary Habermas who studied... Um, the resurrection of Jesus Christ for like 30-odd years, and he looked at maybe, I think it was a few thousand historians, both Buddhist and atheist and just you know, Christian and whatever, it didn't matter. He studied all of them, and there are four facts that, that all of these people agree on, Christian and non-Christian alike, that genuine historians, that they all agree on. Um, the, the one that a person named Jesus existed. Uh, yeah, 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 a person named Jesus existed. Two, I think it was, uh, the, this person named Jesus was, was arrested, uh, that he was crucified, and, oh, that, that's right, that, that he was arrested, that he was crucified, that his disciples reported that he had risen from there, that they'd seen the risen Jesus. That's the third fact. But the fourth fact is that the disciples' lives were changed. They all agree on those four facts, that Jesus existed, that Jesus was crucified, that they all reported to see the risen Jesus, and 
that their lives were drastically changed. They all agree on those four facts. And the reason why that fourth fact, the reason why their lives are changed and why they could return back to where they were is because they had seen the risen Jesus. They knew, which, which emboldened them and gave them confidence. What did they do next? I like this. They stayed, they abided in the, the house of God. They desired to be and remain in the presence of God, to sit in His Word, to soak up His closeness, to be with Him as opposed to being around Him, being around them. That, so they stayed continued at the temple and they were praising God. There is, and I shared this on Christmas Day, how there is power in praise. And, and I, I made reference to this and I want to do this reference for you. If you turn to Psalm 145, Psalm 145, and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna share something very, very quickly, okay? How powerful? What, what does praise do? Much like worship, it's got your focus upon Him and not on yourself. So I'm gonna read the first two verses of Psalm 145, 146, 147, 48, 49, 50. Listen to this. He says, verse one and two, Psalm 145. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. 146, verses 1 and 2. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Psalm 147, verse 1. Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise Him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. Psalm 148, 1 and 2. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights above. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise all his, praise Him, all His heavenly hosts. 149, praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of His faithful people. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their king. Psalm 150, verse 1, what's the first three words? Everybody. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. If you go through each of those Psalms, all you will see is praise God, praise the Lord, praise Him for this, praise Him for that, praise Him for what He's going to do, praise Him for what He has done, praise Him for what He's doing right now. When you, when you worship and praise, the whole focus of worship and praise is Him. And it takes your mind off whatever rubbish that's going on in your life. It takes your mind off yourself and places it on Him. And, and, and then you can understand the, the joy and, and the blessing of knowing. Praise God. If you look at this, praise the Lord that He is the one who leads us. Praise the Lord that He is the one who blesses us. Praise the Lord that He is the one who left us in order to empower us by His Spirit. Praise the Lord that over the past year of 2019, irrespective of my faithlessness, God is faithful. Praise the Lord that as I look at the year 2020 and as optimistic as I like to be, I know things are not going to go the way I want. Praise the Lord that He is in control of those uncertainties anyway. Praise the Lord. So what I want to do to close is that I would like you to take the next 30 seconds to a minute, and I want you to think about something you can praise God for. 
Then after you think about what you can praise God for, I want you to share with the people around you what you're praising God for. After you share that with the other person around you, I want you to pray for and thank God for what He has done for you and pray for the people that you are talking with. I think that's a nice way to end our final service, that we pray for each other, pray for God's goodness and faithfulness over the past year, pray for God's provision and our responsiveness to Him in the coming year. I think that's a good way to end it. So, I'm going to allow you to do that. Okay, okay. This group in the middle, because you're full of young people. I want Auntie Lee, how are you going, sister? Yeah, one of the young ones too, sister. I want you guys to stand up, and I want you to spread out amongst the people here to pray for other people. Okay? Ready? And break. Go find somebody to pray with, to share with. So we've got, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close in prayer at 10.2. So we've got seven minutes. Seven minutes. I'm going to close in prayer at 10.2. So go find someone to talk with. You guys are young as well. Go move around. Go. Go. No, you're, you're a geezer, mate. You're a geezer now, remember? <laughs> here you go, brother. Go, go find someone to pray with. Go find someone to pray with. We've got our guests here. We've got Will and Grace. And that's little, that's little Valley there. Go pray with Little Valley. That's so cool. Go find someone to pray for.